Welcome to the We Shape Podcast. Hey guys. Um, I always want to say what episode and season, but I think we all know me now by now, <laughs> but know. I don't know. Episode <laughs> I just wake up and look at the calendar and just execute. You so um, I don't keep track of time, to be honest with you. Probably the best. Uh, one of my worst and most challenging uh, traits about myself. So um, <laughs> how are you guys doing? Good. Really good, actually. I had a pastry for breakfast, so I'm loving life today. <laughs> I'm sleepy. Oh. Yeah, rest yeah. is so important. Our little one keeps waking us up all night long, and now she's got a cough, and we're like, oh, so. She just wants yeah, to hang out with you guys. Is, she just you know? misses yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's an important reminder, though, that, like, I think we, we get into patterns of, like, oh, it's okay, I didn't sleep for a couple nights, and then that turns into a couple weeks, and then it's, like, sleep couple hygiene. years, your children are 10 and 5. <laughs> I know, it's been 10 years. But I think that there, I think we overcomplicate these these health things sometimes in the sense of like, oh, I need to do all these crazy things. And it's like, well, really, like, in my opinion, sleep is probably the top. And then like drink some water and like move your body and get a vitamin once in a while. Like it it really kind of, I think, comes down to the, you're looking at me because I know you do all this crazy health stuff. But like, (laughs) I think that we have to, we get, I think people get overwhelmed with the idea that it has to be so crazy. Sleep is the bare minimum. and, And I'm saying like, just get back to the basics a little bit. No, I agree. And I think, it, I think it's really easy to be tired and start looking at your life through such a negative lens. And you're just like, this is this, is this and this is that, and this is that. And then you're like, wait a second, I just need a good I night's sleep. I just need a nap. I just I mean, need a good night's I sleep. I don't ever know? do that, so I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about. I'm basically talking about you. So. <laughs> One of my favorite things I've heard people share is like, if you hate everyone around you, you're probably hungry. And if you hate yourself, you're probably tired. <laughs> and I feel like that's been really true for me. Like, I'm like, everything sucks. And I'm like, oh, I'm really exhausted. Yeah. No, like, Tyler yeah. does this thing where I like, he'll, he'll like gently come in and be like, Ooh, getting pretty grouchy. <laughs> and I'm like, you don't know me. You're not my guru. Don't tell me what to do. And then I'm like, damn it, I'm exhausted. And he's totally right. So he yeah. had that talk with me this morning. Um, appreciate you. Been but talking with you about it for a month. <laughs> I know. Takes what it takes. Well, well, or, right. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. Rest is really important, though. But I try to remind myself, like, I never regret the feeling that I get when I go to bed early and I feel rested, right? So, yeah. like, my kids haven't been sleeping the last couple of weeks due to coughs or being children or whatever. <laughs> and um, I have actually told myself, like, you're, you're actually going to take a bath and then you're going to go to bed and you're not going to get any TV time. And and at first I was really, like, um, rebellious about that concept. And so I've been getting in bed at, like, 8.30 and I haven't been watching TV the last couple of weeks. But... I never regret it. It's one of those things. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I don't really want to do a workout today. And and then I move my body and then I'm like, okay, I, I'm glad that I made that choice. So I don't know. Self-care to me is is the number one thing you can do. In summary, if you're grumpy, are you hungry? Are you tired? <laughs> Think about it. It doesn't have to be everything outside of you. Maybe it's something you just need to take care of yourself I'm a little I'm just more, annoyed because so. like, why do I need like 10 hours of sleep? That feels like too much. You're I think it's tourist. important to know yourself, right? Like, it's like, we just, everybody's different. You, <laughs> Nina's you, like, there's an a- astrology reason yeah. for this. No, Astrologically you, you need speaking. You like nine plus hours, you know? I, I do. need like seven. And I don't want to admit that. How much so. do you need? My sleeping habits, you guys, oh, you I know, know yeah, I do like a whole there. thing. Can't oh my God. The other week I called Nina and she was like, oh my God, hello. And it was 735. Yeah. And she's like, is there an emergency? And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about, girl? She's like... Well, I was sleeping and it's the middle of the night. I'm like, it's 730. She goes, oops, sorry. That was just my evening nap. I have like a pre, I have like a appetizer. Is this every night? Yeah. Okay. So what time do you go to sleep? So last night I went to bed like around eight o'clock and I probably slept until 11. And Stop, then I Nina. I don't, I, I, for a couple hours 
and like kind of messed around on my, you know, whatever. Until like one in the morning? Uh-huh. And then I slept until 5 a.m. Oh my God, you're actually, you, I don't know what I'm talking about. You are ready to have a child. This, <laughs> this is like prime infant schedule. Perfect. <laughs> Let's do it. It gives me debilitating anxiety, but I'm I'm happy for you. It works. <laughs> yeah. Um, do what works for you. Yeah. There we go. That's the lesson here. All right. Well, let's get to it. We have a guest today. I'm really so excited. excited about this guest. I think we're going to have great conversation. I have a lot of questions, actually. So um, we'll start how we normally start. Nina's going to do a nice little introduction in bio, and then we'll bring her on, and we'll get to it today. I love Ready? it. I'm, I'm going to give you my computer. computer. Do you need my glasses? What do you need? So many things. Okay. <laughs> so today we're really excited to have Natasha with us. She's a Canadian non-diet nutritionist and the founder of the Thick Nutritionist brand. Ooh, love She's it. She's also a certified Zumba instructor and passionate about exercise and it should be that it should be enjoyable for all bodies in a non-judgmental body positive environment. She spent years being a slave to diet culture and she was never able to keep the weight off. After hitting rock, rock bottom, she finally gained food freedom and learned to truly love herself. In short, Natasha is passionate about spreading the word about the anti-diet message, body acceptance, health at every size, and intuitive eating. She believes that we all deserve to live a fulfilling life free of the pressures of diet culture. Amen. Okay, I, I'm going to start with, look at I actually do have chills. Oh, wow, you do. Because yeah, anytime I feel like this is a huge concept. So let's welcome Natasha. Welcome. Hi, Natasha. Hi, Natasha. We're Hi. Thanks for having me. You can hear us okay? We're good? Yes, I perfect. love it. Okay, great. Well, welcome. I Again, I, I just got chills listening to your bio because if I could sum up what my goal is when people join WeShape, it's that. It's to unsubscribe from diet culture, learn how to love and care and accept the body that they have, and basically fall in love with themselves. <laughs> and so the fact that you have gone through this journey and are on this path is so inspiring. So I'd love to start by asking you, how did you get into this? Like, you, you, you could start from like way back when if you want, but like what brought you into the health and wellness space? And let's let's talk a little bit about your journey. Okay, well, I can throw it all the way back if you would like. Sure, do it. Back to my childhood. <laughs> okay, that's, all that's right. usually where all this so, starts. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So originally, I'm from South Africa, and in general, in South Africa, there's lots of people in typically larger bodies than you would find in the Western world. And so while I was there, and I was a child, I really didn't think much about bodies. I was just, you know, having fun being a kid. But when I moved to Canada, I quickly just saw how out of place I was and how far I was from ever reaching the Western standard of beauty. Because even though I was really young, I already looked so differently from all my classmates. And they never let me forget that. So... That was what it was like growing up all throughout high school as well. I just kind of hated myself, was always trying to change. And the worst of it was in grade 12 when I was about 18 years old because I really liked someone. It's a, it's a typical sad story, but I really liked this guy. He told me that if we were to get together, I would have to lose at least 50 pounds. Oh. And you know, I know, I know. And instead of me thinking, hey, maybe this person does not like me and maybe I don't need to change, I thought, okay, I'll take on this challenge. I'll be healthier and look better for him because he was an athlete. So, okay, I thought, great, here we are. Um, I lost the weight. Of course, the relationship never happened, 
but in the time that I was doing the extreme dieting, it was more intense than I ever had before because I was just so serious. So basically, I was working out six days a week, sometimes seven if I could manage it, twice a day. I would always wear my polar heart rate monitor because I wanted to make sure that I was very accurate about exactly how many calories I was burning every day. Like food was, a, uh, exercise was used as a punishment. Mm. Food was not for fun at all. It was only basically for nourishment, but forgetting that you're also allowed to enjoy it. Mm. So I was very rigid myself, so restrictive for quite some time, but eventually I crashed because it's not sustainable eating that way. Um, But at that point, I had already started my nutrition program at the University of Saskatchewan. And so now it got really awkward because initially people in my personal life were really looking at me for nutrition advice because they saw how much I had lost weight. Mm. But then at that particular moment, I was gaining weight so rapidly and it was super embarrassing because I, I couldn't explain why. And I would try to diet more and more and more, but I would just gain more weight ultimately. So it was a pretty vicious cycle for a few years. Um, and then towards the end of my nutrition degree, I went to a dietitian because I was thinking, how am I ever going to help people lose weight if I can't do it? Uh-huh. Um, so I went to her and I'm so lucky that she was an intuitive eating dietitian. Mm. So she heard me out because I told her I had to lose 100 pounds because at this point I had gained back the 50 plus an extra 50. Um, And yeah, she let me know, I can definitely help you with living a healthier lifestyle that you actually enjoy, but without doing all the restrictions that you think that you have to do. So if you're open to it, I can introduce you to something called intuitive eating. And honestly, at that point, I was at rock bottom. So I just went along with it and I was willing to try it out. And that's actually how I got my The Thick Nutritionist Instagram handle because I was just learning about it and I wanted to share with everyone because I was just mind blown by the fact that I had never heard of it before. Um, And so with time, I learned and learned more and practicing it for a year now and I started helping other people. Um, And so, yeah, it's been very fulfilling and just such a crazy journey starting from thinking I was going to help people lose weight to advocating about how you don't need to focus on weight to be healthy. Uh, I mean, (laughs) I got to say two important things came up when you were sharing. One, which I think is incredibly Mm -hmm. important for us to remember, we are not born with the idea that we need to look a certain way, right? You explained that you were in a culture that valued larger bodies. And then you came to a culture that didn't. That You were not born with that. And so it's kind of like, it's a good reminder that these values that we hold are trained. They're made and up. And they are made up. So let's start there. And then the second thing that you said that was critical is mm-hmm. you were curious and open mm. to trying something else that better mm-hmm. served you physically, psychologically, and emotionally. 
And so that is what I, that is the main takeaways that I took is that, that, that I always tell people we're not going to change anything overnight. We're going to crack the door to curiosity and we're going to question the way we've done things, right? And, and if we've done it that way and we're still not happy, then it's okay to try a different way. And so I love that you said that, but such a good reminder that we are not born with these belief systems. These belief systems are trained. And so I'm, I'm sorry that you had to go through all of the things that you had to go through because a lot of that sounds traumatic. I'm also happy that you're using that for good and that you're giving people permission to think about this in a different way. And, and one of the, you know, when we started WeShape and a lot of people were like, oh, you're not gonna be able to sell fitness product with this mentality. And I was like, oh no, I was really having a lot of self-doubt. It was like when I would go to people and say, actually, we're focusing on movement and connection with self, and we're actually asking people to recycle their scales. People were like, wait, you can do that? I can have permission to do that? It was like, okay, yeah, we're on the right path. Like, people are ready for this. I think we're all really exhausted, and I think we're ready to take care of ourselves in a different way. Yes, amen. I totally agree with everything you said. So tell me a little bit about, like, Oh man, I don't know where, where do you want to go with? I can tell well, Lena I wants just, to go somewhere. I was going to say, which is like, I love the term intuitive eating because we're like, I feel like the reaction that I have, the knee-jerk reaction I have to that word, you know, I'm on that journey right now for myself, um, but it's a newer journey, right? Isn't this last year? I'm like, oh my gosh, like how? How hysterical is it that intuitive eating, which actually comes from self, is like so foreign and distant to me that that feels like, like a really crazy thing to do? to like not trust your body and your hunger cues. Like that's that feels the most like weird and alien to me, which is like really kind of a funny thought because your body has natural hunger cues. Like it, it's designed to help you nourish yourself. And we're like, no, that's crazy. Like don't yeah. do that. Like follow this system, follow this plan, count these points, count these calories, do these things. And like to feel like that's an, an alien outside thing is kind of almost kind of a funny thing. Well, it was funny when we used to sell actually like um, – nutrition related products in a way and then when we started we shape we were like we have to have the nutrition component and we actually built something our my poor the poor engineering team I was like we have to scrap that and I couldn't settle on it because I was like there is no one size fits all and I can't have this prescriptive nutrition plan it just it never sat with me right and um so I I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your journey with intuitive eating and sort of what that really means because what I've noticed is when I went on that path which is what I did as I think we Nina and I have been on the similar journey for for many years we we actually used to say that if you jumped off a bridge I would probably follow you. <laughs> okay <laughs> that's scary we'll talk about that after um but you know Nina and I did our, the first 10 years 12 years of our friendship was what diet are we doing this week right yeah. and so what's interesting is we we went into this intuitive eating practice kind of not even really talking about it, but we were both kind of doing it at the same time. And we don't have to waste our energy on on what we used to waste it on. We like enjoy food more together. We're less yeah. critical. Like our dynamic around food has significantly changed as, as friends. But we do talk a lot about when you go from really restrictive eating that's not sustainable, diet after diet, plan after plan, um, you, and then you move into intuitive eating, there's this calibration that needs to happen, right? Because when I first went into it, I just ate pastries all day. And then I like physically felt ill. But I was like, but I, I will not succumb to the diet culture. And then I was like, but I feel really sick. So I had to kind of calibrate a little bit. So can you talk with me? I mean, is that normal? Do you feel like, do you see that a lot? 
Yes, totally. And honestly, I always look at intuitive eating as a journey. We cannot have any timeline for it. There's no fixed destination because there's always going to be some type of curveball being thrown at us. Um, and yeah, even with my own journey, I feel like every single year it evolves more and more. I'm definitely not perfect by any means at all. Um, towards the beginning of my journey, I would definitely say I also had that rebellion phase of just saying, okay, goodbye to diets. I'm going to eat anything I want in any quantity, which just looked like eating all the previously restricted foods. Yeah. I did not really have the holistic picture there. <laughs> totally. Um, and <laughs> I also avoided vegetables completely or any other food that I clearly um, had previously marked as good. And yeah, so that was just all part of that until I did feel like physically sick because I was thinking, I don't actually feel my best right now. I don't necessarily feel like this is helping with my energy or helping me get through my day like with enough energy. So I ended up slowly, slowly realizing like, okay, so I can have anything I want, but I can also ask myself a series of questions to figure out what it is that I want to eat and what quantities and everything like that. So it's been a learning process, a really <laughs> continuous one. Um, I even remember at some point, it was really hard for me to pick up on my hunger cues. I mm. initially started with the hunger fullness scale. I'm not sure if you're familiar no, with no. it. Tell us about yeah, that. we'd love to know. Oh, okay. Yeah. So in identifying your hunger cues, it's just one of the tools that can help. So from zero to 10, um, five being like a neutral-ish spot where you can eat and then zero being you're starving and then 10 is kind of overfull. Mm. So it's about trying to experiment to see at which point that you do find yourself eating and you try to stay within a range without letting yourself get too hungry or too overfull. Uh -huh. um, and so it's supposed to be a tool just to help you get back in touch with your hunger cues because so often we celebrate not having them. But when we intentionally try to remind ourselves, we can eventually get there. We do that, um, don't but we? We do celebrate. I'm not hungry. Being I'm suppressing my appetite. Yeah. That's terrible. Or being like a little bit hungry all day. Like that's okay. You know, like I think so many women people really like have that experience where they're like, yeah, no, it's fine. I'm just going to have like a celery stick. I'm like, but you're hungry. <laughs> Eat something. It's okay. Okay. Well, I love that tool exactly. because it it's like we do need to have some tools to, to, to get into that more intuitive space because that intuition has been trained out of us. Yeah. Um, not exactly. just in food, <laughs> but like there's not a lot of value around the intuition in our culture. And especially when it comes to moving your body and eating food. And I, I try to also talk about like when you're and I'd love to move into this when when we can go there around like the enjoyment of food, because mm -hmm. sometimes like I find that I enjoy food the most 
when I sit back and I think about a like really delicious meal that would be delicious but also have a lot of nutritional value and give my body energy and make my body feel good and that process of like planning it and going to the store to get the ingredients and then like even involving my kids like can you help me chop the vegetables can you do this can you do that and then to like have that experience of like this tasted good my body actually feels really good but not I ate clean or I didn't eat clean it was it's more of like I know the things that make my body feel good and I'm going to connect with my food, right? Like, and to take it even a step further for people who have accessibility, I know not everybody does. We, we live in California in a very um, agriculturally rich environment. So like we have a lot of farmer's markets, right? So like for forever, I've really wanted to impress upon my children, like the food doesn't really come from the store. Like there's a person who grows this food and to have even deeper connection with, with the source of the food, I think can be extremely valuable and have that extra piece of intuition really like kind of connecting in with that. So, um, but yeah, tell me, tell me more about like this journey around, like it sounds, so you're offering us this tool of like being able to establish where we are with our hunger and then what else comes up when people are are going down a new path of intuitive eating hmm. um well like with the tools as i was mentioning with the hunger and fullness scale one it can get a little toxic when you're first trying to learn more about intuitive eating for example i've seen people start to use it as more of a prescription, almost making it like a diet. Like I cannot eat unless I'm between a five and a seven. If I get, um, if I wait a bit too long and maybe I get to like a four, three, two, or one, I'm a bad person or just feeling really, really guilty about getting really full. So it can kind of get tricky when people start using the intuitive eating tools and principles as rules. So I'm always just trying to emphasize that we're just trying to figure out what works best for you. There are no rules. It really is all about you. So just having that compassion to be like, you know what, sometimes you're going to eat a little bit too much. Sometimes you're not going to eat enough, but we have every opportunity like every meal is a new opportunity so there's so much just kind of I know. yeah there's so much shame tied up in I mean this natural function of our bodies to eat food there's so much shame attached to our bodies and to eating and and then you know you talk about food freedom and you talk about joyful movement and I think those are such powerful things um, and I have curiosity around what food freedom means to you Mm -hmm. So food freedom essentially just means normal eating. <laughs> yeah, because it's how it should be. It's how we would eat if we didn't have all the diet culture and nonsense circulating our brains 24-7. And it's no one's fault that we're constantly exposed to these messages. But if we could just strip all of that away and really get back to the basics, we would see that, hey, if we actually tune in and allow ourselves to trust our bodies and to figure out um, just when to eat and how much to eat and what exactly to eat based on our personal preferences and maybe what we're doing that day and all of those things that are just so individualized, um, I really just like focusing on food freedom in that way about saying goodbye to anything external and just knowing there's no rules. It's, it's just about enjoying yourself to the fullest and being able 
to have that enjoyable lifestyle that you want, even if you're eating foods that you consider bad. Well, what's interesting is talking about when I think about the world of nutrition, I think about the word judgment comes up so much. And now that I've had a little bit more, like I've cracked that door to curiosity and I've had a little bit more awareness around this, I see it everywhere now and I can't unsee it. Um, but like even when we were in LA a couple of weeks ago and we ordered DoorDash from a really popular restaurant, the the bag came and it was like, good, clean eating. And I was like, okay, even that is a message in itself that if you don't eat this food, the food you're eating is dirty. And I'm like, it just, no. <laughs> like, just say delicious food on the bag. Like, like Even the healthy stuff creates, like, guilt and shame yeah. and things like that, right? Yeah, because, because it's enforcing the message that when you don't eat that type of food, you're not good. Right. You're not clean. You're dirty. You're toxic. You're, And the I'm like, I, I, I can't, I can no longer do the morality with the food. Like, food is food. There are some foods that make my body feel great, and there are some foods that I, you know, partake in for pleasure and joy and fun. And they're fun. <laughs> but they're not bad. And I also think it's, like, really rude to say that because it's, like, what if someone doesn't have accessibility to that? Like, then all of a sudden they just are, like, forced into this other label? Like, I think we all have to stop and say, like, the nutrition industry can offer amazing things for people and can really help a lot of people. I've seen nutrition really help people thrive and uh, like help with really serious illnesses. I, I don't want to discredit the opportunity that we have when thinking about food and what it can do for our bodies. And it's full of judgment and shame. And so I, I, I don't, it's like hard to navigate those waters when it can be such an amazing thing but it can also just be just drenched with judgment and shame and labels and criticism and in a, that's what I mean like looking at that bag that came from DoorDash I was like it wasn't like they were saying anything quote-unquote bad but it was like they were implying that anything outside of this style of eating was not okay and I was like I just don't feel available for this. Just give me the damn salad. Let me enjoy it. And like, let's not put all this other marketing shit on top of it. Like, I just, I'm over it. <laughs> how do you, how do you tackle that with people? I mean, we touched on these, these two aspects, which is like, one is this dark night of the soul. You give yourself permission to eat whatever you want and you swing the other way and you're still ignoring your body. You're not really listening. You're just going off of cravings because you deprived yourself from so long. And the other thing you mentioned, which I absolutely love is just how people just tend to make rules around everything. And they use this framework to then again find ways to judge themselves and punish themselves, right? And ultimately, underneath this all is just um, a lack of self acceptance and a lack of self appreciation. So, how do you take someone from uh, showing up and then they're interested, they're curious, but then you watch them just stuck in the shame and the judgment and the you know all this stuff? How do you how do you start building those tools? I like the hunger tool is a good one, but there's so much that's emotional and psychological in this. So, how do you tackle those types of things? Yes, you are so right. Like it very much is mental. And when you do have that self-acceptance and you're not judging yourself about other things in life in general, of course, it makes intuitive eating easier to accept because you are set in the sense of this is about me. Other people's uh, opinions don't necessarily matter. Um, I'm just experimenting. So whenever people are starting this intuitive eating journey, I just really try to emphasize that they should find a support system of people that are on the same path 
because it's really hard to try to have free food freedom and to ditch these diets when you're only around the people around you that you've been dieting with your whole entire life. So just kind of being like, okay, how can we cleanse your surroundings and add some more positivity that way? Um, we also just try to look at um, social media and looking at, okay, so what makes me feel bad? I'm trying to figure out what those triggers are for them. So just learning more and more about yourself helps you get closer to food freedom from what I've seen so, and so, having that unconditional. Yeah. yeah. So, so finding, finding the things in your life that are currently keeping you stuck in that self-judgment and that mm. criticism of self, right? Like look in your life and say, okay, who's here to support me through this? Who's here? Who's going to suck me back into feeling this way? What am I looking at on a daily basis? That's going to support me. What am I looking at? That's going to suck me back into feeling this way about myself. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes, yes, yes. That is exactly what I'm saying. And, and also, <laughs> yeah, so just also, Natasha, do you feel like there's also just this process of acceptance of the journey? Like, okay, I swung all the way to the left and ate all the pastries all day for a couple. Like, it's like, do you feel like there's also just, because even that is like wrapped in judgment, right? So it's like, I feel like the root of all of this stuff is just judgment and shame. Yeah. And so like, there, do you feel like mm -hmm. when people go on this path, it's like you, there almost has to be an acceptance of what the journey will look like and like a one day at a time and, and just we're not perfect and and we to to think that I would be trained in something for 38 years and then to like untrain myself overnight it, it doesn't logically make sense but it's like that inner critic wants it to be that way because that's another value that we have in our system in our culture is like if you're not just subscribing to the program immediately you're a failure and I and I like to think about like anytime this happens with intuitive eating, with diets, with our relationship with movement, with anything, nutrition. It's like when we actually succumb to that judgment and shame, what does that actually do? Right. It actually takes us deeper down the path we actually hope not to go down. You're more shame. You're more shameful. You dislike yeah. yourself more. It's like Truly. Yeah. so. I really think, and Natasha, tell me if you agree or not. And I'm fine if you don't, but I really think that like we have to evaluate self judgment and shame. Because I feel like those are the driving emotions that keep us really stuck. Mm. Oh, yeah, totally, for sure. And that's why I always just emphasize on something that you actually touched on when you said it, you can't just change overnight. Rome wasn't built in a day. So I always just try to remind people of little mindset shifts. So you can tell yourself this mantra and you might not believe it, but if you just keep keep on keeping on with time, you are going to start believing it because I feel like brain, our brains are just so malleable as humans. We repeat all of these horrible things to ourselves all the time to the point of believing it, even when we know that it's not true. If a friend was saying the same things, we would not accept it. But mm. when it's ourselves, we're so rude. So anyways, I always just try to say, how about we use that knowledge that what we say to ourselves really matters and replace it with positivity. Like, yes, you mess up. We all mess up. And then also what is really messing up, especially when it comes to food freedom and intuitive eating. It's really just a continuous practice of trying to do 
the best you can every single day to nourish yourself and also to enjoy food. So I think it's just lots of little reminders of I'm good enough. I have permission. I don't suck. There's no morality to food. You don't I love suck. That. You I don't love that. suck. You don't suck. You don't have <laughs> to believe beautiful. that you suck. <laughs> it's not true. You don't suck. Yeah, I, that's, I love that's that. That's a great bumper sticker. I think you should maybe trademark that. You might yeah. need to make shirts, yeah. my friend. <laughs> you don't suck. Um, what a concept. <laughs> I love that. I want to make sure we have enough time to talk about movement because you do a lot of stuff with, with workouts and movement. Um, movement is a, is the the foundation of We Shape and why we started this company. Obviously, we incorporate so much more outside of our product in terms of community and uh, you know intention and belief systems. But I'd love for you to talk about your journey because you really talked a little bit about how your relationship with movement was really a punishment, and we have found that to be very true, right? And and I don't know if you know this about We Shape, but uh, Tyler and I used to run a different company that sold like products that were more predicated on, oh, get toned or get a six pack. And I just kept sitting back and going like, this is this isn't the way, right? I didn't know what the way was, but I because all the people in the industry were reinforcing the belief system that that was the way. So I was like really confused for many years. And when I finally said, oh, we don't have to do it that way. We can actually create a product that is rooted in movement and connection with self. Like we don't have to subscribe. Everything changed. But once everything changed, I started realizing how, you know, I've been in the fitness industry for over 20 years. And up until three years ago, I hated exercise. I absolutely hated it. it was I was getting I was forcing myself. There was so much judgment. I and now I'm like, "Ooh, I get to move my body today." I've I've like literally tr- I mean, it took 3 years, but I literally transformed my relationship with movement. And um I think it was predicated on again, same thing that we talked about with the nutrition. It wasn't punishment, it wasn't judgment, it wasn't my inner critic leading in the driver's seat. It's like I was even telling a friend last night like she was calling me cuz her inner critic was really dialed up and I said, "Look, I don't think we should try to get the inner critic out of the car, but I think we should get the inner critic in the passenger seat, right? Like, <laughs> I, I think anytime we really try to remove it, it just wants to get louder. So it's like, acknowledge it. Thank you for trying to keep me safe. You're here. I get it. But I'm actually going to keep my true, authentic, rooted self in the driver's seat, and you can be in the passenger seat, and I'll, I'll be doing the driving. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your relationship with movement and working out and where you were and where you are today. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, So interestingly enough, when I was really young, before I got too overcritical of myself, I enjoyed figure skating and gymnastics and even ballet. Um, But at that time, I did not have an easy time finding outfits that were Mm. actually like appropriate for those activities. So in a way, it seemed like Um, Bigger bodies were pushed out from those sports. So that kind of was hard for me to deal with. And then also the fact that people were making fun of me. So I came to a point of thinking, I don't want to be a whale on ice. And so previously to, I don't know, being in high school, I really tried to just have fun with movement, but it ended up feeling not accessible to me. So for several years, I would only exercise in ways that I absolutely hated. And like I said, it got really extreme towards the end. Um, I always considered any movement I actually enjoyed, like dancing to be irrelevant or things like yoga, I thought were 
just pointless. Yeah, I thought if you're moving, you have to maximize the calories burned. Mm. So it was really just all about no pain, no gain, uh, go to the max, or again, you suck. <laughs> and I kind of <laughs> got to the point of even if I was injured, I would still push through. And it was really, really bad until I finally just totally gave up on exercise altogether for some time. Um, and then when I went to that dietitian towards the end of university, she's actually the person that asked me, hey, so when is the last time you remember moving your body and not worrying about what it looks like or any of those things, not worrying about calories burned? And I realized it had always been dancing and doing things like Zumba, even though I never thought it counted. And so she kind of challenged those beliefs that I had about what counts as movement. And she encouraged me to join a Zumba class at the local gym. And I'm so happy that I took that advice because when I went, it actually happened to be a Zumba instructor that I really connected with because she was actually in a larger body, not quite like a plus size fat body, but she wasn't thin. So that was really cool for me to see because I had never seen anyone working in fitness that was in a body like hers. Um, and then also the music she played was very much up my alley, which I had never expected to happen because I lived in Saskatchewan, which <laughs> is not necessarily the most diverse place ever. So that was just amazing. And I only told myself to go once a week if I was feeling good about it. And it quickly ended up being like two or three times a week just because of how much fun I was having. And it never felt like torturous. It was always something I looked forward to. And the more I did it, I realized, hey, this is what it's supposed to be like. I cannot believe I ever forced myself mm. to move in ways that I hated. Um, and so the more I did that, the more I realized, hey, I also want to be able to inspire people the way that she's inspired me. So how about I become a Zumba instructor as well, which was really exciting. And she was there to hold my hand on every uh, step of the journey. So that's how I eventually became a Zumba instructor and then started just sharing my love for music and for dancing in that way you're pointing That's out something beautiful. so powerful and this is something i see a lot of people go through is is when we're children and we're younger we just love moving our bodies we love monkey bars and dancing and playing and just running like you know all this fun stuff and then in almost everyone's lives that relationship changes and the way i like to think about it is this it goes from movement to exercise right it's either exercise to facilitate us getting better at our sports because that's what you know we're taught is important to us or exercise because that's what we're supposed to do so that we can look a certain way right and then we start developing this negative relationship with it and the the barometer then becomes how much did you pump your muscles and how many calories did you burn right and ultimately at the end of the day one of the things that i've discovered having been you know injured in the past and rehabilitating that and you know that's really why our product is so movement centric at the end of the day is like i want people to connect with their bodies 
how they feel, how they're how they feel when they're moving a certain way. Because if you can start to connect with your body like that, you start to appreciate what your body can do, and you start to recognize, wait, if I do this one thing, I can feel a lot better in one minute right now. You know, if I do this stretch or if I do this move or if I dance for five minutes while I'm doing the dishes or whatever it may be. So I think it's so beautiful that you bring that up because so many people get stuck in that exercise and that punishment and that burn calories, and they don't realize that that's not what creates longevity. That's not what creates happiness. And biologically, it doesn't even make sense. Your, your body goes into compensatory eating reactions when you burn too many calories, you trash your hormones. There's all these negative repercussions from that. And so it's so much more important just to connect with movement, connect with your ability to um, express your body in ways that are interesting and fun to you so that you can do that for as long as possible. So like, I mean, thank you for sharing that because I feel like so many people need to just cut the exercise out of their head and just get back to like, what am I going to do that's going to make me feel good, right? In my body, about my body, et cetera. And um, pivoting away from that though, real quick, I heard you say one thing a couple times and it's like, you stumbled across a couple people that just changed your world, right? And I think it's so important for everybody who's listening to go, you know, this isn't something you're going to do alone. This is something that you're going to find people that you resonate with. They're going to help hold you through that. So for you, how important were those people? It sounds like crazy important, but I'm just curious, you know, like the Zumba instructor and this um, intuitive eating coach, like did, how much did they change your life? Oh, like completely 100%, 180. I'm so thankful. And I always reflect on it because it truly was very random. Even at that time, when I went to that dietitian that was educated in intuitive eating, she was one out of two dietitians in our city that was actually promoting that nutrition approach. So I am so lucky I went to her because I could have gone to any other dietitian that would have been like, okay, I will help you lose 50 pounds, 100 pounds, let's do this. Um, And I would have hated myself because I know like every other time it would have totally failed. So it's just so beautiful that I had the right people holding my hands. And even in this process, I've got to meet so many amazing people on social media, like you guys. So I'm just so happy for the whole journey. <laughs> I think the barometer there is like, is the person you're listening to, you're working with, helping you feel closer and more connected to yourself and and have more love and appreciation for yourself. But it's crazy how that can change. Like I, a couple of years ago, I was really frustrated. I have ADD and my brain's just like a thousand miles per hour, right? And um, I started recognizing how many times I would just impulsively do things and it would just cause an issue. And I texted this guy I know who is the most chill guy I know. And I said, how are you so damn chill? And he's like, oh, you should meet my friend Forrest. He's a mindfulness coach. And so I called Forrest, got on the phone with him, decided to work with him as a coach and absolutely changed my life. And it was all just this one moment. I was super frustrated. I text a guy and the next thing you know, I'm, I'm working with somebody who just helped me in so many ways I can't even. Well, I also have count, to highlight you know? a little bit of your journey in that because it's related to this idea of just cracking the door to other opportunities and belief systems that better serve us. Because yeah. for a while, like we've, we've been in the alternative health <clears throat> community for so long and you know you're you are you do have uh, different neurochemistry, right? And it was like, well, I'm going to use all these natural things to correct that neurochemistry, um, but I'm still going to suffer. And it was it was like I could watch your process from the outside in, just around like, no, I have to do it the natural way because mm-hmm. uh, prescription medication is bad, just yeah. like clean eating, and it, it was like this other mentality, right? And then I watched you get to a point where you're like. 
I can't, it's, I got to crack a door to other, another belief system. <laughs> and yeah. you did. And then you said, I'm actually going to remove the shame and seeing a psychiatrist and getting actual help with this. And I know that Forrest helped you in a lot of other ways, but it was just from the outside in, I was like, oh, I'm so glad you cracked the door, examined that belief system, decided that that system didn't serve you anymore. And you were like, because our identity gets attached to that. Yeah. I'm only in alternative health, I'm so I, I can't see a psychiatrist. I'm going to solve my neurodivergence through eating or neurofeedback or cold plunges. Or and it was like, <laughs> it didn't, it helped a little, but it didn't really work. And so I think this is like the common thread of our conversation today, which is like anytime you've closed the door to other pops possibilities, you've attached your identity to that belief system. And the deeper you get rooted in that belief system and your identity to it, the less there is for possibility for something that may better serve you. Yeah. And so I think just the simple concept, if we could leave here today and say, is what I'm doing in my life today actually serving me? And just sitting with that for a moment, right? Because your, your brain wants to stay attached to that identity. So it's going to give you a lot of evidence for why it does serve you. But it's also important to say, okay, thank you for that evidence, but where does it not serve me? And then just sit in that truth and then allow that door to crack so that new belief systems can come in and ultimately shape a different path. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, there's so much natural desire for our brains to operate in all this or all that. You said exercise doesn't yeah. count unless it hurts. Like I have subscribed to that thought for so much of my life. Yeah. Oh, I've only got 30 count. minutes. I should just not do it. Or I didn't do I, the thing I said I would do, so I, I had suck. A, I had a cheat meal at breakfast, yeah. so I'm just going to cheat whole the whole day's day. Whole day ruined. <laughs> yeah. Like this, this black and white thinking that our brains really naturally kind of lean towards. And like to give yourself that grace of like, thank you for those thoughts. I appreciate that my brain is just doing its job. It's a little bundle of, of you know, fat and protein making little electrons up there or whatever. But it's not always all true and that we can just say like, hey, maybe I could do that and this. Maybe it's okay for me to move my body in a way that's joyful and, and like let that be enough or eat something that really feels really good and reminds me of my family or where I come from. Like those things are okay. And like the more that people like you and people like us hopefully share these messages, the more permission other people get. You, your life was changed by people who offered a different perspective. You've said things today to me that I'm like, that changed my whole mind. I don't suck. Like today, <laughs> all day, I'm gonna be like, I don't suck. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like, thank you. Well, thank you. You know, Natasha, I, I'm so grateful that you joined us today. You've you've really, again, given us another opportunity to to crack the crack the door to to infinite possibility and other belief systems and other options for our, for ourselves and for our listeners. Um, so let us know where people can find you because you're doing great work. And I and I'd love for people to know where they can find you. Okay, sure. So on Instagram, you can find me at The Thick Nutritionist, and you can also find me that way on my website, thethicknutritionist.com. Well, awesome. thank you again, Natasha. You I don't yet have a YouTube. <laughs> That's okay. I don't, don't yet have a YouTube, but that is coming soon, so Ooh. stay tuned. That's all right. I love it. Well, for our listeners out there, another wonderful person to follow on social media, um, Who won't make you. you feel like you suck. Yes. She won't make you feel, <laughs> like, make you you feel like you don't suck. <laughs> Natasha's going to run to the trademark office after this. I know. Um, Bring those shirts. <laughs> um, but thank you again. You've provided our listeners with such valuable information, and we're so inspired by you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. And thanks for what you do, too. It all helps. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you Take so good much, care. Natasha.
Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's show. Now, before you go, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a moment right now to subscribe to the podcast and then leave us a review. This helps spread the word so more people can feel lighter by shedding one belief at a time. Also, we want to hear from you. So if this episode impacted you or you have any questions that you think would be great for us or any of our future guests, please feel free to email us at podcast at weshape.com. And finally, if you want to try WeShape's different approach to health and fitness, remember that right now you can sign up for WeShape's Feel Good Challenge and get access to everything WeShape has to offer for free. Just click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com slash challenge to sign up.